Welcome to Ready, Set, Real Estate, where we will help empower and educate you on many different aspects of real estate, finance, and investing. Each week, we will expand your knowledge and uncover hidden truths. We will break down real-world scenarios and study actual how-to strategies. Anyone can buy real estate, but together, we'll ensure you make smart real estate investment decisions. Now, here's your host, award-winning author, international speaker, and real estate educator, Lisa Gillette. Happy, happy Wednesday. I feel like I need to add one more, one more effect to that where there's yeah happy wednesday you beautiful people wherever you are on this fantastic and phenomenal planet yes planet is still phenomenal um i've got our eight-year-old who says he just loves our planet there's a series on netflix that's called our planet and he is infatuated with the show and i get it I, I used to be that way too. I used to be fascinated with, the, you know, I still am, with animals and especially uh, the sea. I am drawn to ocean. I'm drawn to water. I'm drawn to the ocean ecosystem uh, and all that lives in it. All right. All right. Okay. Announcements. Announcements. Let's see what's happening. We are in second quarter. Good stuff happening. So let's see. We are January, March, April, May, June. Oh my gosh. We are at, no way, April, May, June. We are at the end of second quarter. Get out of here. I'm looking at the date, June 28th. We are at the end of second quarter. How are things? How are you doing? How are you doing? Let, let me do a check-in real quick. Okay. So let's just go ahead. Let's talk about those goals. How are you doing for second quarter, especially with today? We're going to be talking about this. Uh, last week, we talked about the, the chaos in homeowners insurance. Prior to that, we were discussing ADUs. Um, some more news came out about ADUs. Today, we'll be discussing about the bank stress test and is your bank stable. But I really want to unpack this conversation about, about the bank stress test because there are a few moving parts in the market, the real estate market, particularly the commercial space, residential as well, but mainly this, this discussion on the commercial space uh, with the commercial loans. Uh, so bank stress tests. We'll also be talking about this recent link, leak that happened. And I, I want to go back because I have been reading, ooh, I've got to grab the book that I've been reading. Hold on, hold, hold the phone, hold the phone. So I've been reading a book real quick. Let me, let me do this. Pressing buttons. I'm pressing buttons. Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll, I'll bring the book that I've been reading because I, I want to have this discussion as we're talking about banking and real estate, banking and real estate. So let me do this. Let's go to a quick commercial. Yeah, because I'm just going to jump right into the show sp specifically because I have a much awaited uh, phone conference that I'm looking forward to, and uh, that'll be around 1140. So we'll wrap up the show today a lot sooner than before uh, so that I can jump on that call. So let me just do this. Let's do disclaimers real quick. 
Let's do disclaimers. All right, let's go through the, the motion of the show. You see, I'm excited about this topic already. So, of course, I wanted to talk about the goals, right? Goals, quarterly goals. We are in second quarter, and we've noticed that for some businesses slow, for some business picking up depending on the sector. But overall, we're kind of feeling this, this pinch we call, right, the inflation. Cost of living, cost of things, cost of items are are at a at a high. We're also being affected by insurance, right? This change with Allstate and State Farm, and then we're starting to see how that's going to have a trickle down effect with the uh, other insurance companies. I'm I'm hearing this about the increased in insurance premiums, both in homeowners and in car. We just definitely took on a new car insurance um, and and got hit with quite a premium. So I'm definitely like, ooh, ouch. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that, but we're still we're still good. Um, so a lot of moving parts. So with that being said, how do you get past all all the you know let's say the 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 dings that you may be feeling during the second quarter of 2023? The key thing I want to say, the key thing I must say, is to stick to writing your goals down. Stay focused write down the things that you'd like to focus, uh, address those priorities for the week, and just list your top 10. You know, <clears throat> I have my board here to my left. I have a glass, a whiteboard, and I really am enjoying it because I get to my to-dos. When I walk in the office, I go, boom, I start to write it down. What am I doing? What do I need to do? And I start to knock that stuff down. And you feel like a whole better human being when you actually execute those stuff, you get it off your your list, right? You get it off your plate. So how do you get through this slowness? How do you pivot when the market is pivoting? Is you move with it. Stagnation is going to be the enemy of progress for you. So I encourage you to keep moving forward. I know you're like, but Lisa, but Lisa, I can. I've, I've got this bill. I've got this. I've got that. And I've got all these. Listen, we all have something. But we've got to keep moving forward, forward progress, right? Because it's the energy that you're magnetizing. You want to be in the law of magnetism so that you are drawing those things to you. That way you can work less at it, right? Instead of feeling like you're forcing things to happen, you draw those opportunities, you magnetize those opportunities to you, Trust and believe the universe will conspire to give you all those things. So let me leave you with this, and then we're going to jump to a commercial break. So I want you, I will give you my affirmation. So the affirmation that I have used is, I have access to everything I need. Okay, so that's the affirmation. So I'll leave you with that. I have access to everything I need when you need it. Trust and believe, receive that. Write it down maybe 20 times. You should be journaling. If you're listening to this show, you're someone who takes notes, right? You've got a journal, you've got a notebook, and you're avid writer. Get in the habit of avid writing. Why? Because you're co-creating your reality, your existence. What does your future look like? What do you want it to look like? 
It's a little difficult for the universe to help work with you and conspire to, to work for you if you yourself don't have an, a vision of what that looks like. So second quarter, if you're feeling that pinch, you're feeling stuck, stagnation, we're like halfway through the, the fiscal year, not your personal year, but halfway through the fiscal year, receive this, that you have access to everything you need when you need it. All right. Okay. So when I come back, I'm going to bring back that book that I've been reading and it almost seems like we're experiencing or, or we're symptomatic of, you know, what we've seen happen in the market before. And I can't wait to come back after this commercial break. Oh, today's show sponsor is, who's our show sponsor? Uh, today's show sponsored by, ah, here we go, our very own Devenio States. We'll be right back. We know how challenging it can be to try and sell a home while also dealing with other financial and legal matters. We are here to help. Devenio Estates is the real estate firm you need to make sure your unique situation is handled as quickly and efficiently as possible. Our team of professionals has a combined experience of over 30 years in real estate, construction, and finance industries. As active professionals in the industry, we know the importance of timelines and pride ourselves in providing superior service without compromising integrity. We use industry software and copyrighted proposals so that our real estate agents submit accurate and complete listing information and buyer offers. Our goal is to exceed your expectations and set Devenio Estates as the go-to real estate firm for excellence and advocacy and superior services for our clients. Contact us today to learn more about our services. All right. All right. All right. Devenio Estates, that is um, my CEO, broker owner of Devenio Estates, our boutique firm based in Southern California. We specialize in unique situations. And yes, let me remove that real quick. We specialize in unique situations. Shameless plug, by the way. Shameless plug. <laughs> if you know someone who is exhibiting something like a, the death of a borrower or property owner has a reverse mortgage that has been now called due, is facing foreclosure, has a notice of default, uh, we are a brokerage that has specialized knowledge and skill in dealing with those um, those products because they are products and then they are situations or create situations uh, for the uh, heirs or beneficiaries of those estates. So feel free to pass the word along to venueestates.com for those who are listening on our radio podcast. That's devenioestates.com. That's D-E-V-E-N-I-O. E-S-T-A-T-E-S dot com. You can also reach uh, the main office at 323-602-0688. Also deal with the managing of property rentals as well. For those captive landlords, those are landlords who um, have not, uh, who've decided that they no longer want to be landlords or, or excuse me, they, they've inherited property and are still trying to decide what they do, they're going to do with it. And they end up pivoting to having to deal with uh, renters. So we specialize in that. 
Evan Jefferson is in the building. It says, I have access to everything I need. Absolutely. You're right on time because we're going to be having this conversation. And I'd love for you to chime in as well on we're on this episode discussing, right? Banks stress tests. When the banks, when the market closes today, we're going to receive the report of how well our nation's top banks are doing. So what is the bank stress test? It was, it's interesting as it determines how stable the bank is and the bank tends, our banking system tends to be reflective of our economic system. And I wanted to make sure we tied this in today with what the market is doing. Of course, I can't discuss real estate without discuss, discussing banking. A lot of our money comes from you know, Wall Street, right? A lot of the money comes from our, our banking institutions. A lot of the money comes from the insurance companies, right? So these are entities that are all connected. So when last week we discussed about that insurance chaos, increase in premiums, the Department of Insurance putting on regulations here in California to some of those companies, what they just decided to do was not play. They said, we're just not going to play with your rules. And in fact, we're going to make it difficult for um, policyholders to renew their policies. And we are no longer going to offer new coverage for new homeowners uh, in that state. So we're seeing insurance companies affected. And then this came across my desk as I was thinking of a show topic. This came across my desk that the FDIC accidentally reveals the details about Silicon Valley Bank's biggest customers. Why is this important? Well, for those of you who've been sitting on the sidelines saying, I'm waiting for the market to crash, I want to break some news to you. The Federal Reserve and the banking institutions have been making moves to avoid a repeat of the 2008, right, 2007 housing crisis. This is the book that I've been reading. This is a very important uh, book here. I'm going to bring this closer here. So very important book. So this book is called Home Records, Home Records. How a gang of Wall Street kingpins, hedge fund magnets, crooked banks, and vulture capitalists suckered millions out of their homes and demolished the American dreams. So I'm bringing this up again. This is, I'm half, I feel like I'm halfway, I'm not even halfway through the book. I'm at the part where he just shared. Who bailed out Michael Jackson out of his foreclosure of the Netherlands, right? Well, never, Neverland, the Netherlands, Neverland, Neverland. Who bailed out? It was a billionaire called Thomas Barack or Barrick, right? Thomas Barrick Jr. And he agreed to <laughs> what is the African-American dream? I like that one. See. Let's let me address that. I, I, I definitely would. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one, Evan. So 
So I'm just speaking of African American dream here where I'm learning something of Michael Jackson and he was in foreclosure owed 23 million Barrick said to um Mr. Jackson I agree to pay this and help you out of this foreclosure if you go back to performing or you just get out there, you show people that you are Michael Jackson, even if you do an interview on a, t a day daytime show or a nighttime show, if you do a one or two performances, just get out there and let people know that you're Michael Jackson. And as part of that agreement to help Michael Jackson out of foreclosure, uh, they signed an agreement and that was a stipulation that he would get back out there. I didn't know that anyone knew that. So he paid the $23 million and got him out of foreclosure. And then Michael Jackson died a year later of purportedly a drug overdose. I say purportedly, allegedly, because everyone have their different theories of kind of what was going on at that time for him to have died over drug overdose. So brings me back to this. He dies of a drug overdose. The billionaire who just put $23 million to recover the estate then puts it on the market at the time of the book uh, for $67 million. One of the things that they were talking about was ownership, right? Like who really owned what? Who really owned what? So I think I'm going to throw Evan's comment in, in here as we discuss this. Who really owned what? I was talking about homewreckers, how all these, you know, vulture capitals, et cetera, suckered millions out of their homes and demolished the American dream. What is the African-American dream, Evan says? He asked that question. I pose it to you, Evan. What, what does that look like? Is that a personal, is that a personal uh, dream? Is there a collective dream? Because as we read books like this one, Right. As we read books um, like The Color of Law, how the government, um, you know, was involved in redlining, steering and cutting out that, quote unquote, African-American dream. If we're referring to ownership, home ownership, property, real property ownership, we've got a long history of that. So what is that African-American dream today? as we relay it or relate it to what is happening in banking. How many banks that are black owned are still around? I just recently learned there's a difference between a majority black depository institution versus a black owned banking institution. And that came to my attention as I noticed that Broadway Federal Bank, who once upon a time was black owned, uh, now has on their website that they have joined forces, or I think City First is what it's called, and has taken over the bank. Of course, leave it up to Evan to make me uh, <laughs> talk about, to dig deep, right? Like talk about this. Uh, City First Bank. Um, I got a, and it's formally 
it's formally formally Broadway Federal here. So this was a Black-owned bank. Let me uh, change my screen here. I'm going to pivot here real quick. And I scrolled down here, and I wanted to find out about. And when I went to about, it had an interesting verbiage here. This line right here is what jumped out at me on the about. It says, we are designated Black-led Minority Depository Institution. Black-led Minority Depository Institution. So as we talk about the African-American dream um, in relation to this banking, right? How healthy is the bank? Finding out what the FDIC has done with covering deposits for other banks that were not in danger of collapsing. We know of the three banks that did collapse, but the FDIC actually covered deposits for banks that were well, well funded, well, well secure, well stable. Why would they do that? And so I asked this question, um, there's a difference, right? It's just like when I say to folks, there's a difference between saying you work or you're supporting a black owned real estate brokerage versus a black real estate professional who works for a non-black real estate company. There's differences here in terms of this collective African-American dream that we're working towards, right? There's a difference. Um, and it's really interesting because <laughs> I'm also a member and I receive, I receive information on the Latino group where they've got an entire movement in terms of home ownership and the increase of home ownership. And despite what the market is doing, despite what the interest rates are doing, we have um, a, a strong demographic of young Latino millennials who are purchasing with their nuclear unit, nuclear family, right? Grandparents, parents, they're all pulling their funds together and are making that first purchase. And then from that purchase, they're then, you know, everyone springs off and then, you, you know, hey, you chip in, buy this house, we, then we buy the next one and, that, and so forth and so forth. So this dream that we're referring to, or you're asking of Evan, I often, and you and I have spoken on and offline, and I've spoken with, uh, you know, different people in our groups as it relates to what we're seeing right now. What is the African-American dream? Well, here's what's interesting, because there's been this recent conversation of, you know, protecting, uh, protecting home, the, the wealth in property ownership. And given that I'm pursuing law and given that I, I'm delving more into uh probates, trust in estates or probates estates and, and trust, we're seeing more and more families litigate, meaning they're suing each other over the family home. Now, because a lot of uh, where I work and my clientele tends to be African-Americans, our African-American communities, properties. And interestingly, I've had this conversation with someone who's in construction and said that 
he was part of a community coalition meeting and said that black homeownership in a few years will be extinct. So Evan, what is the African-American dream? And is the dream by one big enough for the dream of many? Is the dream of one big enough for the dream of many? I can't want for you what you don't want for yourself. Or the tough conversations or discussions that need to have amongst family members. Like I've got a couple clients right now who a spouse is experiencing early signs of dementia, Alzheimer's. I'm no medical doctor, but the wife is saying, yeah, he's forgetful. Um, and to the point that he's forgotten to make his mortgage payments, which is why I'm involved now. And I asked a simple question. Do your children know? No. They're in their 70s and they have not shared with their children that dad is experiencing this or that they have missed a couple mortgage payments, that they are experiencing a foreclosure, a pre-foreclosure. So we're not having those conversations. So we're going to have them already set real estate. <laughs> we need to make sure. So make sure with that being said, you know, prices admission to have this conversation is what? Press one lets me know you're here. Press two lets me know you shared it. And if there was anything that you felt was a mic drop moment, dress, drop that emoji of the mic so that uh, I recognize, so I can feel that you're feeling me, right? So let's, let's continue. The FDIC accidentally reveals details about the Silicon Valley Bank's biggest customers. I put that in relation or in connection with this. How safe are America's biggest banks? The Fed's eminent stress test may offer clues. So as I was sharing this Wednesday, when the markets close, we're supposed to get the report of how healthy or how stable banks are. Essentially, this was a report or a test that was created after the Great Depression. Um, and certainly uh, to the comment in the article said there was no there's no guess that Signature, Signature Valley Bank uh, was not properly capitalized right? Undercapitalized and certainly would have failed the bank stress test. But here's what I think is a little bit deceiving about the strength, uh, stress test, especially amidst the time you just shared that we've just learned that the FDIC covered deposits for banks that weren't even in trouble. So everyone should be good, right? All these banks should be fine in terms of being capital and liquid in the event of an economic downturn especially as they're using this term, depending on who you ask, we're in a recession and depending on, you know, news media and outlets, they say we're, we're border a recession and everyone's saying a recession is coming. And uh, I think about Rev Ike where he says a recession is when you don't have a job. He says a depression is when I don't have a job. <laughs> Rev Ike, uh, wise man, wise words. and. And so that's why I, I bring that point up because it depends on who you ask in terms of 
how strong, right? How bullish, bearish is this uh, economy that we're experiencing? I certainly am seeing it. In fact, I had an appraiser. I met with an appraiser on one of our uh, deals that we have in escrow yesterday. And I asked that question, how's business? You just can't, you ask the question because you want to see what is the sentiment from the other working professionals in your industry? What's the sentiment? And he says, very different as opposed to last year or during the pandemic, which we've seen. We've seen some companies uh, weather out, do fare out a lot better during the pandemic because the government was giving so much money away. So much money. There's so much money. And then, of course, we do know they're policing that money. They're coming after people who weren't supposed to get that money and that whole thing. But despite all that, we saw a lot of profitability. P&Ls for people, for companies, look pretty solid. And so the appraiser said to me, business is slow. He said, and well, you, you probably know that because of the, the, the interest rates these hikes in rates. What I find interesting on the re in the residential sector is I also want to bring this conversation with the commercial sector. While I, I, I would say I dab on commercial when I need to, when I'm dealing with my residential clients. Commercial is not really our focus or my focus, right? Of course, I have people on my team that do commercial, but it's not my focus. So I've been watching commercial closely because historically is what we've seen is when, when commercial is impacted, it is, you know, people say, no, there's no effect. But I would disagree when I understand the, the ecosystem, right? The inter, intercodependency between residential and commercial. Right now, we're saying the office sector is being impacted in the commercial business. And here's why the stress test can be misleading at the same time as we're watching the commercial markets is because this stress test is just determining how capital, right? How, how capitalized the banks are. But what is looming in the background in the commercial space, and we've been saying this for some time for the last couple months, and I've been hearing it get louder and louder, is that there are, I think it's upwards of billion dollars, billions of dollars and commercial loans that are due, that will be coming due, and some already coming due, uh, from now to uh, really we'll start to see it in 2025. So within two years, right? Are we at a like 36 month mark? Oh my gosh, that's that's incredible. 2025. <laughs> but with that being said, we've got these commercial loans that are due for payment because a lot of commercial loans tend to be done with interest-only products with balloon payments due in a 15, 20, 30-year time frame. So now we have those loans coming due. However, however, the businesses who hold those loans and owe that money, mainly the office sector, don't have people returning to work. Therefore, you don't have people utilizing office spaces. And you can see that. Just look around your commercial buildings, your office spaces. You see the for lease. You see the offers being made, right? There's concessions that they're willing to make to fill those spaces. You see a bigger push from corporations and big companies to force people back home. 
And I've been reading different headlines about that. I haven't just, I haven't delved too much into this topic on, you know, trying to offer benefits. Now, now you're trying to offer benefits to get people to come back to the office versus maintaining remote uh, working from home. And, and one, one clue into that was when we went from during the pandemic, it was, oh, working from home, you know, made people more efficient. They were more happier. This was the way to go. And then now I'm reading, they're saying that people are not as efficient. There's a lot of wasted time and they should return back to work. So it's really interesting how information definitely can be biased. And that was one thing I remember reading or learning in statistical psychology was paying attention to the data and who is reporting the data, right? Who, what is the source of data? By the way, these headlines and this information, speaking of data and the source, this is from CNN uh, that has been popping up on my timeline about what's going on in the banking industry. And so I thought it was timely for us to have this discussion because we are in second quarter, halfway through the fiscal year, and we're we're reading how the Federal Reserve's, you know, what are they doing to hedge against inflation, how that is certainly slowing down and affecting the market. But from a real estate perspective, for those of you who have been trying to be strategic about waiting and sitting on the fence, be mindful that, and I've said this before, you are all waiting at the same time and you will all jump in at the same time, therefore driving up the cost of the, the the product, right? This is economics, supply and demand. And this is econ 101, is when you have a higher demand for something and you don't have enough of it, like housing, like property, you will see an increase in the price for who is willing to pay the highest. So to that, I say, do what's right and what makes financial sense for you and your situation. If it makes sense to wait a year, two years from now in anticipation that the rates will drop, well, guess what's going to happen? Those who are purchasing now in this higher interest rate market at the lower price point, i.e. investors, i.e. those who are looking to uh, get their foot in the door and then three to five years from now are going to sell when rates drop, are going to realize that gain. They'll be in a better position than those who'll be jumping in the market in that two-year in that two-year period from now. They'll be competing again with the other buyers who were all sitting on the fence. So again, it makes sense to lead with your own right, right. Uh, what is it? Da- dance to the beat of your own drum versus trying to do what everyone else is doing is because what will happen is in this herd mentality of trying to wait and you all wait at the same time, we'll see another incident or episode of what we experienced during the pandemic with all with everyone jumping in at the same time and everyone uh, driving prices up the way they did. So just be mindful that uh, you are the one that is co-creating what your experiences. This is why I started off about writing down those goals because real estate is certainly one of those goals is if it's something you are looking to attain, you know, envisioning the area, envisioning what your market payment is, envisioning 
you know, what do you need to do for savings and so forth? Like that's a plan. That's not an overnight thing. You wake up one day and say, I'm going to jump in the market and buy property. That is a strategic plan that also comes with strategic tax planning for you, right? All right. With that being said, we're right on time. I'm going to wrap today's show up with that. I think I've, I think I've ended it on, on a good note, which is you should be moving and thinking strategically for what makes financial sense for your situation. All right. With that, I say have a powerful and productive week. We'll see you next week on another information-packed episode of Ready, Set, Real Estate. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Ready, Set, Real Estate podcast with Lisa Gillette, the LA Super Agent. Please like, subscribe, and share LA Super Agent.